0: Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to The Shmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I am visiting with Molly Ye. Molly is the author of the recently published cookbook, Molly on the Range, which was featured on the New York Times list of 2016 best of the best cookbooks. She's also the author of the award-winning blog, My Name is Ye. Molly graduated from Juilliard with a degree in percussion and is alum of the Yiddish Book Center's program, Tent Encounters with Jewish Culture. Welcome, Molly. Thank
1: you so much for having
0: me. I have been following you um, and your blog since you were a participant at Tent Food New York City. Um, yes, yeah, was... it was
1: exactly two years ago. Is that right? <laughs> it's my two-year anniversary. yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, your tenth anniversary. <laughs> Um, very sweet. I was intrigued, as I'm sure others have been, um, by your backstory, and how did you go from a degree in percussion to becoming a food blogger and a uh, cookbook author?
1: I didn't plan for it to happen, but um, I went to Juilliard to study percussion, and what I found when I moved to New York was the amazing restaurant scene in New York. And that was partially inspired by one of my percussion teachers who would come To my snare drum lessons with tales of the best burger in town or snagging a reservation at Momofuku Ko or going to crazy pop-up dinners all around the city. And so he inspired me to take all my work study money and go downtown and try new restaurants any chance that I got. And I was just really inspired by all of the different cuisines in New York. And once I moved out of the Juilliard dorms into my apartment, and I had a kitchen for the first time, I realized how much fun it was to cook all of this food that I had been trying. And so along that time is when I um, started my blog, and I started posting recipes on the blog and blogging about my adventures in restaurants. And I just had so much fun with it, and uh, I just wanted to put all my time into that.
0: And you began to explore, I gather, your Jewish-Asian culinary roots, yes?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you could say that food is just my favorite way of learning about my roots and about my heritage and, and about other cultures as well. But um, one of my first food writing gigs was for the Jewish Daily Forward. And um, and I'd grown up with challah and ball soup and brisket and all of that really hearty good stuff. But... Um, I would get assignments from my editor, like, can you make a shavuot recipe? And I'd be like, sure, of course. And then hang up the phone and immediately go and Google what shavuot was. <laughs> because I didn't grow up observing all the holidays. So a lot of these um, holidays I was learning about for the first time. And I was able to learn about them through de- developing recipes and through the food traditions and all of that.
0: Did you grow up eating Jewishly?
1: I did every time I was homesick. I had lots of ball soup, and uh, we made challah all the time and latkes, and um, we yeah we celebrated the major holidays. But there were some smaller holidays that, when I grew up and, and started writing about food and Jewish food, I was learning about our time. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of that uh, Jewish bubby food in my background growing up.
0: Your mother is um, from New York via Hungary, yes? Correct. Okay. And did she have a lot of recipes that got passed down? Or she Does she cook? Um, does your father cook? Oh, He's got she, the... My,
1: my mom My mom cooks so much. She's, she is one of the inspirations behind why I love cooking so much. And so, um, yeah, she cooked and baked all the time. I woke up. On, like every weekend thinking it was normal to have a freshly baked scone or a freshly baked coffee cake on Sunday morning. Um, and, you know, as far as family recipes, we don't have, it's weird that we don't have a ton. I mean, we do have recipes within our own immediate family that we make every year. But um, generations-old recipes, um, I don't think that we do have that.
0: I find that they're sometimes passed on in the kitchen, in the act of doing, but not written down. And it's always hard to try to backtrack and, you know, figure out how did they make that? It was so good. Do you try to, yeah, yeah, rediscover um, food that you remember, but don't have it written down as down to make it?
1: Um, You know what? My mom a few years ago made me this big binder of all of my favorite recipes that she has been making since I was a kid. And so if ever there is, like, a cocoa recipe that I have to have, I know it's going to be in that binder. Um, or her matzo balls are there and, and her rugula is there. And um, and it's all really delicious things that I know that if I'm going to feel like a on the farm, I have to make it because nowhere in town am I going to be able to find something like that.
0: So we we might want to share with our listeners the fact that you basically went from... Brooklyn to a farm on the sort of North Dakota Minnesota border, correct? So exactly. there's yes, yes. it's a, you, you're not going to have as much access to Ruggle and other things. <laughs> wow. and, and what's that like? And then how has that pushed you in the direction of food?
1: Um, it it's a good challenge, <laughs> and um, but it's been a really fun one because most of the people in my area. They have never had challah. They've never had rogola or matzo bowl soup. But when I give it to them, when they taste it and they see how delicious it is, it's, it's so great to see that on their faces, to see them fall in love with this new food that I've grown up with.
0: Um,
1: and going the other way, though, learning about the food of this region, and um, which is very Scandinavian. My husband's family came over from Norway five generations ago. And so to be able to learn about things like Lexa and krumkaka and lutefisk has been what, my favorite way of learning about this region and their culture. So it's really been this exchange of, you know, trading a latke for a because <laughs> those are the two potato pancakes that we have around the holidays. And it's just so much fun and delicious.
0: Well, it's kind of interesting because I always think that um, so much of Jewish food um, like Jewish music, I sometimes make the analogy, um, borrows from place. And so as Jews travel around, you you know, Sephardic is a little bit different than Ashkenazic um, in terms of recipes, etc. So it sounds like you're fusing a lot of this together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that's interesting They that you say that, that because Jewish food has grabbed from so many different cuisines throughout history. Um, it, it doesn't really seem like they've taken from Scandinavian cuisine yet so maybe that's the start of something new you never know
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, as you say every, it's like every culture has a potato pancake probably but not as good um, <laughs> and how did um, you, so you went to Tent Food New York City um, mm-hmm. how did that provide you with a connection or you know a lens in which to explore Jewish food um, and I wonder what the highlight to take away from that experience was
1: Oh my gosh, like the whole thing was a highlight, truly. And um, I guess when I moved out to Grand Forks, I had never experienced a place where I was in such a minority. And um, to be in an area where there were maybe only three other Jews in town was such a new feeling for me, and it really took me by surprise. And um, on one hand, you know, it, it was exciting to see people try hollow for the first time and see them really enjoy it. But on the other hand, I kind of miss that comfort of being around people who, who know all this food as well as I do. And so to have the experience to go to tents and to experience Jewish culture, um, for one or two weeks, that was a really valuable experience for me as one of a handful of Jews in Grand Forks. I just, I I love learning about the culture and the history and, and getting to know other Jews my age. Um, and I was just, it's funny, we, ha- we have this Facebook group from Tent Food that I went on two years ago, and, and we still keep in touch, and just today we were all planning our next reunion and, um, and catching up with what we've all been up to recently, and, and it's just so cool to see what people are doing who are in that group, and, and so inspiring.
0: It's, there are a lot of exciting things going on in your cohort. There's no doubt about that. And um, yeah. how is it challenging to make the move from Brooklyn to the outer reaches?
1: Yeah, it, it was challenging, but at the same time, it um, it felt like a savasana at the end of a young, a long, hard yoga class because living in New York was it, it was crazy. And for the first five years, I loved it, and I really took advantage of all of the restaurants and the concerts and the um and the parties every night and i was out every single night doing things but by the end of my time there i was just ready to be a homebody and to work on my blog and work on the book and and um just come home one night and or come home every night and cook dinner for my husband and i just loved that sort of slower lifestyle and so when i moved here and suddenly I could have that lifestyle and the quality of life, it, um, it was amazing.
0: And do you see your Jewishness and, and love of tradition playing into the cooking, the farming, the melding of you know family backgrounds, et cetera?
1: Yeah, absolutely, I mean, I, I love that we are living in the farmhouse on land that my husband's family homesteaded five generations ago, and I love bringing my traditions to this, and I'm so excited to pass them down to future generations. And and it's really cool to see how his family is so excited about them as well, and so open to them. And um, yeah, and I'm always sort of thinking about how um, how I can keep these traditions alive on the farm because it's really my job to do that here. Um, and it was. But, you know, in, in, in New York, it's it's kind of easy to carry on these traditions because so many other people are doing them with you. Um, but here on the farm, it it is a challenge to carry these traditions on. Um, but it's been a lot of fun, and it's uh, been a, a learning curve, too. But I love it.
0: Well, your adventures as you chronicle them on your blog are really fun to follow. And I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about the cookbook and how that came to be and, you know, sort of... How you imagined it and how it turned out.
1: Yeah, so um, it's been about two years in the making now. And I basically started by making a list of all of my favorite foods. (laughs) So, foods from my childhood, like Lunchables and macaroni and cheese and dumplings. um, And then also foods that I fell in love with when I lived in New York and during my travels, like hummus and falafel and all the pizza that I had in New York um, and then also food that I fell in love with when I moved here and um, and so I took that list and then I cut it in half and then I cut it in half again and and I got to work recipe testing and developing and um, and figuring out how to put my spin on this and, and what my mark was going to be on these various foods and I Really wanted to make sure that all the recipes in the book had meaning, um, and that that they would be enjoyable for people to make. So, um, I also wanted to include there, there's an illustrator that I worked with named Weasel, and I wanted to include um, illustrations of the foods and various equations. So there's um, um, a macaroni and cheese flowchart that. You can kind of choose how much time you have and what cheeses you have and look in your pantry and see, okay, I have these ingredients and I'm going to follow this path to make this type of macaroni and cheese. Or I have a free day to make mac and cheese. I'm going to make it deep fried and, and you can go all these fun directions in it. So, so there are sort of fun, non-traditional recipes like that in the book too.
0: And is there one that stands out for you?
1: Um, I really like the schnitzel section. There is, um, uh, a chicken schnitzel that is in a steam bun, and it's inspired by this one month when I was in New York, I won a free month of schnitzel from the schnitzel and things truck by being their 5,000 Twitter (laughs) followers. Yeah, it was insane. So I rode my bike to their truck every single day, and I got a schnitzel, and, um, it was really unhealthy but I just totally fell in love with it. And then that year, I was actually a schnitzel for Halloween. (laughs) I made my own schnitzel costume. Nobody knew what I was. They thought I was a Long Island iced tea. (laughs) Um, But so I had, had my illustrator draw up a pattern for the schnitzel costume. So if anybody wants to make it for Halloween or for Purim, then you have the schnitzel costume.
0: A Purim schnitzel costume. Who could ask for more? (laughs) <laughs> and before I let you go you mentioned that you've been sort of wrestling with the recipes sometimes for the holidays is there um, one recipe you'd like to share with us as we are in the holiday month right now
1: uh,
0: you don't have to share well, the, well, the, just sort of the overall idea of it
1: um, well there is a whole hollow section in the book there are a few different Variations on challah, including one that I learned while I was at tent, um, and it's actually it's a monkey bread. But rather than going the traditional cinnamon sugar out, my friend Talia, whom I met on tent, she dipped it into zaatar. So it's a zaatar monkey bread, and there is uh, just kind of a garlic and onion labna for dipping. That kind of reminds me of. Like that French onion sour cream chip dip that I used to have when I was a kid. So that's a really fun dish to make, and that uses challah dough as well.
0: Wow! And when you have occasion to get back to New York, is there one food that you seek out?
1: I have two places that I go to every time, and one is Bread Bakery.
0: Mm, great place.
1: I, yes, yeah, I am obsessed. I just got their book; it's amazing. Um, but I get a zaatar twist there, and their cheese twists are good, and a babka. And then, um, oh, and their ruggle. I love their ruggle too. And then I also always get hummus when I'm in New York, either at the Hummus place or now Deez and Gough is open. So I love going there. Fantastic.
0: Um, and what are you working on now?
1: Um, no, well, the harvest just ended today. <laughs> So I'm actually working on feeding all of the farm workers tonight.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, then I should let you go. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. Um, Keep up the blog, and we will be offering your book for sale at the the Yiddish Book Center's online bookstore and on-site bookstore. And for our listeners, can you just tell them where they
1: can find the blog as well? It is at mynameisyeh.com. Great. Mynameisyeh.com.
0: Thank you so much, Molly. And we hope to have you here at the Yiddish Book Center, maybe in the kitchen someday soon. Thank
1: you. Oh, that would be so much fun.
0: Okay. Well, we're on.
1: <laughs> <All right. laughs> Take care. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Alexis Owing. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.